0: everyone my name is sarosh and you're listening to the dear body podcast before we begin please follow me to stay up to date with weekly episodes on our beautiful bodies because this is your safe space hi everyone glad to be back here talking about something that will upset you of course but also at the same time make you understand why there was this dire need to bring up this topic right now I'm going to jump straight into it uh, and give you a backstory and how all of this evolved as in the process whatever i'm going to delve into so recently Meera ji uh, she is a well-known pakistani artist she graced the times square with her dance performance and she mentioned uh, on her instagram account that the purpose of this dance performance is to or was to raise money for flood victims within Pakistan. Now, when I was going through these posts, I couldn't help but notice some of the comments that were left behind under these posts. Uh, one of them I'm going to read out from a girl being, and I quote, Mujra karke unko haram khilao ajeeb jahil. End quote. And uh, let me read another one right here. Uh, it says, Naach ke paisa karne wali haram ki kamai. Now, there should not even be a debate in the first place on women, considering the situation right now. This is about keeping the current disaster first. We as individuals are choosing to take out time to leave hateful comments when we could be utilizing that time very much so by sharing how we can help those who have been affected by these severe floods in our own ways, however we can. Now, also at the same time one can't help but notice the usage of two words that were very common in these comments that were left under her instagram posts both the words the wife and the word mudra now let's let me take you back in time to so that we can educate ourselves together on how the words, the terms the wife and mudra as well evolved in the pre and post-colonial period because what you will see is how they will open our eyes to how we were made to ostracize an entire art form, simply because our invaders, our colonizers, they deemed it as a tactic so that they could control our lands, our minds, our values, everything. They decided for us. So let's just start from the very beginning. This is not going to be a history lesson. I will try my best to give it a story pattern so that we can make sense of it and at the same time we will educate ourselves before throwing away terms for people simply trying to help uh, the victims of a terrible climate disaster. Because... To be honest with you, spending our time leaving nasty comments instead of sharing or perhaps volunteering or donating even speaks volumes about one's character. So, also I would like to in, begin by giving credit first here thanks to Zara Berlas's work. It's titled The Art of Imperial Entanglements, Nauticals on the British Canvas and Stage in the Long Nineteenth Century and I was a, because of her work I was able to delve deeper in history. So let's begin with who the Notch Girls were because I talked about two words here the wife and mutra. and I would like to focus first on the word uh, the wife here and this is why it brings me to Notch Girls in the first place. The word Notch actually comes from notch, which our Urdu speakers know as dance. Now, this was the only term within the South Asian subcontinent which was given by the British to all the Devdasis, the tawives and the notchwalis I will get more into who the Devdasis were, but first the term itself. Now, this term, in fact, created a lot of problems because we had Indian performers, female Indian performers, acting as courtesans in the company of nawabs the rajas they held a very prestigious co- role in the court in secondly in temples and even in private organizations they were not someone surviving in the peripheries but in fact they were actively very much a part of this social, religious role that they were offered that they were made to fulfill within the culture of the subcontinent at that time they learned The art of theater, performance, including their hair, their makeup, their feet positioning, their hand gestures, costumes. And even when Islam spread during the Mughal rule, predominantly, so did new styles of dancing. Uh, And these were in the regions across northern India. And so they are connected to Central Asian, Persian and Indian arts. And we must be very, most of you must be aware uh, of this uh, term here, Kathak. And Kathak was very popular amongst the Muslim audience. They were even invited at political events, the Notch Girls. They mingled with the social elite. They were the face of Indian music. And even the first ever recordings of Indian music made were done by two Notch Girls. So the arrival of the British actually made it rather complicated because their imperialistic insertion actually made them exotic figures. They were highly sexualized. How? Uh, we will get into that very soon. So I'm going to start off with the uh, in early 16th century when what happened was that European travelers, their visits to the Mughal, the Ottoman empires, they became rather frequent. And then we started witnessing the performance of notch girls that were translated into various art forms. So if you check, if you Google what Edward Sitter had explored in terms of Dancing Girls of India being featured in the British arts, he mentions it in his work. It's titled entitled The Orient on the Victorian Stage. And this was the first time when photography was still the sort of emerging field. So we had paintings, drawings. There were some accessible mediums for the British public to become sort of uh, accustomed with the Notch Girls and their performances. So now what were some of these dance forms? We had Indian thumri. It's actually a light classical style. It's derived from the Hindi word tumakna which actually involves dancing with uh, when you're walking with these dancing steps that make your ankle bells tinkle and also there was the use of instruments like sarangi which actually means 100 colors so it's trying to denote versatility now what happened was that when british women uh, who were called the Mame Sahibs, when they came to the subcontinent, they started spreading this popular discourse that the Nautch girls were immoral simply because they witnessed these Indian performers as a threat. That's the truth. The British men were so infatuated, they admired the grace with which these Norge girls performed, and they, in fact, used literature. So many books were produced labeling these female performers to be pursuing sexual relations with British men. Uh, There's this book, uh, I Mean to Win. It's by Charan Kamal Kaur Jagpal. It was made evident in this book that they feel that the Indian woman was invading their governance in the domestic space. They were robbing the white woman of the right to be in command within their household. So white feminism and their hidden agenda to reign, it was getting hindered by Indian female performers who were simply doing their job of entertaining in court now despite the misrepresentation on the part of the british society of these notch girls they the the british men were enjoying the company of these notch girls including the royal family because in 1875 the prince of wales uh, the king edward the 7th he attended one of their performances Their performances were covered by this notable newspaper, The Graphic. It's a British weekly illustrated newspaper uh, from the late 19th and the early 20th century. Now, we see a turning point in the the 1890s. Yes, that's when the anti-notch movement was announced. It was announced by John Murdoch. He was a literally a literary evangelist, so he was a public preacher. Now, many at that time were writing to destroy the image of the Notch Girls as performers. They were trying to portray them as prostitutes, ultimately sort of blurring the line between performers of various professions. We have Mrs. Marcus B. Fuller's the wrongs of Indian womanhood, it's basically an account of the numerous ways due to which Indian performers should be actually stopped uh, from exhibiting their art form. So Fuller was in fact, uh, she was the wife of an English missionary in Bombay. So you see how the Christian values were being interlinked with the social practices in the subcontinent. So, you can say that the Christian beliefs became entangled with an attempt to sort of reform a woman's role in society. And moreover, the girls were being blamed for destructive family dynamics of the British without paying heed at the same time to how obsessed the British men were with attending these performances. They became so infatuated, whereas the only aim of these Indian women or girls was to exhibit their... An art form and that was dancing. And uh, at the same time, the, this sheer hypocrisy lies in this reality that the female performers in Britain were perceived differently. So, all of a sudden, ballroom dancing was acceptable. The acid house era in the 70s, including rave dance moves, was acceptable. European ballet dancers had more freedom in comparison with the Notch girls to be able to practice or exhibit their profession publicly. But British women came up with this ideology to teach notch girls, to get rid uh, of their role as performers, to get the right form of education and become empowered in that sphere. So the white woman presented the brown woman in dire need of assistance, as if the brown woman herself presented herself as the victim. So our victim mentality today comes from years of colonial rule. They made us accept ourselves as powerless victims. They were the ones who invaded the cultural supremacy of the subcontinent. And that was done by targeting the female empowered dancers. Imagine how desperate the colonizer was in hopes of invading the subcontinent. And the reason why I make the statement here is because, statistically speaking, out of a population of more than 286 million people, only 10,000 people were known to be singers or dancers. And this is according to the 1891 cons- uh, not consensus, Census of India. So imagine their power, their influence that has sort of jolted the cultural, the political and the social setup of the British. Now, I want to bring your attention to this musical play by Charles Smith and I'm going to just narrate the plot here so you can picture uh, something I'll try my best here and it's called A Trip to Bengal and I'm going to share the Zanana scene it begins with a male spectator Fitzpatrick who is made to believe that the governor's lady is a notch girl now in reality she's an English woman who goes by the name of Fanny So, this woman is made to dress in a veil. she performs a song and she dances, she's surrounded by perfumes, there's a hookah there. You will actually see it in a lot of paintings of Notch Girls. If you Google it, a hookah is present. And Fitzpatrick agrees to marry this woman thinking that she's a Notch Girl. Now, the purpose of displaying the scene was to generate this rumour that the Notch girls were master manipulators. They tempted these young British men into falling in love through seducing them into being dishonest in their marriage. And in the 1830s, Dev Dasis, now Dev Dasis were actually the temple dancing girls and they had to perform unwatched and they were only dedicated to the temple. And so... Both the devdasis and the musicians, they actually went to Pondicherry. They went to perform. They went to show the audience the fascinating music that was celebrated in the subcontinent before the British invasion. It was the, actually the cultural difference, the language difference, the that the British audience found themselves alienated, or you could say unfamiliar, with what was the conventional mode of presenting music, be it art. And they found it quite easy to call these performances dull, repetitive and whatnot. So even the media became highly critical in London. We have the era, uh, it's this British newspaper from 1839 to 1939, uh, which reported, and I quote, the performances of the not women are generally exceedingly monotonous, consisting of a sliding, shuffling motion Along the floor, the movement of hands, arms and eyes and the adjusting and the readjusting of the veil. Now, since the reputation of the Notch girls was completely tarnished and their art form, remember that it was a means of earning for them. They had to, at the end of the day, succumb to occupying the role of concubines, of Englishmen ultimately fulfilling their agenda of imperialistic power now let's talk about certain tools that the british used including media books photographs paintings and there was so much more the list goes on and that was to discredit the history of notch girls now you will find it in this book it's titled music of the raj it's by indian not indian <laughs> ian woodfield it's about how a Royal Navy officer went by the name of Captain Thomas Williamson. He describes this very famous notch girl at the time, Kunnam, in the following lines and I quote, A haughty, ugly, filthy black woman who could, solely by the grace of her motions and the novelty of some Kashmirian airs, hold in complete subjection and render absolutely tributary many scores of fine young British officers. So here, by calling her filthy and questioning her hygiene based on the color of her skin, another imperialistic agenda was being fulfilled. Because around the same time, let me tell you, British men in politics, they wanted to take steps in the public health department. So by establishing this what was called the Contagious Disease Act and the other one was Imperial Vaccination Act. You can check more on it online. This was just one of the many ways of making the brown woman feel inferior. Like we know nothing and the white man will save us now. Also, there was this rising debate in paintings with regards to the Notch girls, their femininity. Now, there was this Irish painter, Thomas Hickey. He painted three women And he expressed, through his art, their broad figures, which were debated as rather masculine. And even their gender was questioned at one point, because they did not meet the conventional, in air apostrophes, conventional standards of Victorian beauty. They had dark skin, they had sharp features, a piercing gaze. So for the British audience, they were unconventional figures, because they did not have fair skin, Or a soft palette, I could say, with delicate features and they avoided direct gaze. There was this thing where when you were painted, the Victorian society practiced not gazing directly at the one who is painting them, but in another direction. So by fixating on their physical appearance, the white man again rewrote our history of how we should look like. And that is more like the West. So why were all of these tactics employed? The answer is very simple. A superiority complex. The British felt so threatened in terms of the customs and the religious settlement in the subcontinent. They wished to not only disrupt the atmosphere in the subcontinent, but also feel powerful in the process. So what did they do? They used their civilizing mission in air apostrophes, might I add. And they were rooting for improving Indian society, but actually they wished for ownership. So, coming to what happened in 1870, the fourth Viceroy and Governor General, Richard Bourke, he himself said, and I quote, teach your subordinates that we are all British gentlemen engaged in the magnificent work of governing an inferior race, End quote. Now, the reason why it is so important to go back in time and try to dig deeper is because there are exploitative systems we miss out on. When it comes to performative arts, mainly dancing and music in the subcontinent, it was not until the arrival of the British that dancing became an, this exoticized form of sexual display became a threat to the Indian society as a whole. Why? Because it did not meet the standards of our colonizers because they felt threatened with the sexual freedom that was within the subcontinent that they ultimately invaded and ruled over for years. Thank you so much for watching and I will catch you in another episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening please do not forget to leave a comment down below sharing how you feel about this episode and what your personal thoughts are because i would be more than happy to connect with you and i'll catch you in another episode very soon till then do not forget to be kind